I wonder if the snow loves the tree and fields, that it kisses them so gently, and then it covers them up snug, you know, with a white quilt, and then perhaps it says, go to sleep, my darlings, till the summer comes again. Welcome to AMI Audiobook Review, the weekly podcast where we chat all things audiobooks. The quote of the week brought to you by Jacob Shemansky, co-host of the show. Ramia Amadin, I'm the host of the show. Nisreen Abdelmajid is the technical producer. See how I flip things around, keeping you on your toes? Jay, why'd you pick this quote? I don't know if you noticed, Ramia, but it's cold as hell outside. No, really? This quote about winter is from uh, Lewis Carroll of the uh, Alice in Wonderland series. It's a more optimistic take on winter. Snow is a nice white blanket that's just putting all of the trees to sleep. Mm. I tend to disagree. I think it's not a white quilt. It's a suffocating blanket that (laughs) chokes the joy out of you. I I don't like the cold at all. Did you pick this quote so you can smash it on air? (laughs) Okay. Well. Thank you for that. No, it is pretty. It is beautiful. And it is a soft blanket. I love the sound when it's so quiet because there's such a thick layer of snow on the ground and Mm. the world sounds different. I love that. It Um, does sound very muffled. Do you like the sound of the snow crunching under your feet? Exactly. I know nobody, you know, wants that necessarily because you got to get out of your driveways and shovel your cars and go onto the roads. Ugh. But in a place like Toronto, you savor these moments anyway. You savor like that first kind of beautiful, thick snowfall on the ground before anyone has stepped in it. And yeah, it's nice. It's true. There's something glorious about that nice, clean snow, but mm-hmm. it doesn't take long for it to become a, a yeah, muddy, a cold gross, mess of sadness. Mush. Gross. Yeah, exactly. So until then savor it huh and it's only magical i mean even more magical when it's on christmas day but it doesn't have to be i'll take boxing day as well (laughs) what are Um, we talking about today (laughs) Rams? yeah exactly (laughs) let's move on we are going to have a rapid fire review bonanza so if you don't know we love this game and we are going to put everyone to the test including ourselves so nisreen myself jacob we're going to be finally participating in rapid fire review but Before we do, because that's going to be after the break, we're actually bringing on a guest, community reporter on Kelly and Rumia. She joins us monthly from Pictou County, Nova Scotia. Julie Martin is joining us to talk books because, Julie, you're like top five people in my life who I love to talk books with. We've had you on this show. We've had you on KNR talking um, or reviewing books and recommending books to us. You come on the community report and squeeze in book conversations. So it's so lovely to have you back. How are you? I'm really well. Thank you for that. What a lovely thing to say. You yeah, guys make my heart smile. You really do. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. And you make our hearts smile. And honestly, I love when you just go on and on about books, when you describe different things that you love about books. It's so fabulous. But it's not going to be a calm and uh, cool part just now because we're doing rapid fire review. Jacob can explain. Yeah, let's get into it. Um, Yeah, just to give you a quick reminder of what the Rapid Fire Review is, Julie provided us five of her most recent notable reads. We're going to go through all of them. She has 15 seconds each to give us a very brief review. Once we get through all five books, Julie, you get to pick one of the five books to elaborate on, rant, rave, whatever you want. The platform is yours. And... 
we're calling this uh, a rapid fire review bonanza episode uh, because do you know what the etymology of the word bonanza is? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Spanish word um, that used to mean clear seas for sailors, good weather, good conditions for fast sailing. And that means lots of profit for the merchants. And it ended up like evolving into meaning uh, just good conditions to make profit in general. Mm. It was used a lot in like the gold rush in the early 1900s when people would, so when they would find a, a big uh, vine of ore or gold. They would say, oh, oh it's a bonanza. But um, today it just evolved to just mean generally anything that comes as a sudden and substantial gain or profit. And I think what our listeners gain here yeah. is... A whole bunch of really quick recommendations, which I can't get enough of. Like, I don't know about you, Rams, but I've already picked up a couple books that our that our guests have presented on the Rapid Fire reviews. So, like, I I can't wait to hear what you have to say here, uh, Julie. Okay. Yeah, and usually it makes the guests a little nervous because you only get fifteen seconds, right? But. Um, the rest of us get a really good time. And maybe at the end of it, you'll have a good time as well. All right, Julie, are we all set? We're set. Okay, let's go. You have 15 seconds. The first book, and you can start once you hear the ticking sound, is The Five People You Meet in Heaven by Mitch Albom. Meet Eddie. He's a ride mechanic at Coney Island. He dies, goes to heaven, where he meets five people that made a significant difference in his life, or he made a significant difference in their life oh i did it wow wow she's a pro pro. okay i didn't read it when i was doing it at home with my (laughs) oh you practiced (laughs) did i did but i failed every time (laughs) (laughs) we'll see okay go all right next book the wife between us by sarah pekinen oh my goodness Anything you assume about this book when you're reading it is not going to be right. Every time I thought I had it solved, it was gone. It's about a couple, the deceit, the manipulation, and the husband has an eye disease where he can't recognize people's faces. Oh, oh, I know someone in real life who has that disease. No way. Eye condition. Yes. What is it called again? Um, um I can't remember. Plasia. Uh, oh man, I got to get back to you on this. But yes. It that is so is interesting. A wa- what a plot yeah. twist. What? And we haven't yeah. even gotten to the book yet. Okay. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. Something dysplasia? Anyways, sorry. I've sorry. never heard of that. That's crazy. Well, It yeah. is. Yep. Okay, next book. Cloud, Cuckoo, Land by Anthony Dewar. Okay, listen carefully. I'm only going to say this once. If this book does not become a modern-day classic, I will show my ass on the town hall steps. <laughs> That's it! That's it. That's it. That's all I got to say. All right, we'll hold you to that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> we'll touch back in 50 years, okay? I am... Oh, yeah, exactly. It's, got it. it's in the next 50 years, because then I'll be 100 and... 13, so yeah. <laughs> and nobody will come watch. <laughs> I mean, if that wasn't a teaser for a book, I don't know what is. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> we don't have to know her. We've got two more to book, go through. We're going to do this. Yeah, we got this. <laughs> okay, next. The T-Rose Trilogy by Rose O'Donnell. Oh, my goodness. Long, long reads. 
takes us from the late 18th century in the slums of London. We follow the Finnegan family all the way through to the end of the First World War in Egypt, everywhere in between the wilds of Africa. Hmm. Historical fiction of sorts? Historical (laughs) fiction. Beautiful. And my correction, that's um, Jennifer Donnelly, not Rose Donnelly. It's Jennifer, yeah. Okay, last one. Yep. Black Cake by Charmaine Wilkerson. Debut novel, beautifully written, about a mum that dies, two siblings estranged, they find out they have a half-sister. It, it, it's, it revolves all around food of the world. It's just all about this black cake. It, yeah. <laughs> His what? <laughs> what was it all about? <laughs> oh, God. I really messed that one up, didn't I? <laughs> it's okay. We got we got too overwhelmed by how good the first three were, right? <laughs> they can't all be good, Julie. Yeah, they made up that's for the last true. one, that's, that's for true. sure. They made up for the last one. Now, what was it again that he was overwhelmed by? The black cake, this black cake that her mother baked and left in the freezer for them because it's a traditional cake from where they live. Yeah. But yeah, the whole book revolves around different food because the half-sister is a chef. So it tells you where all these different foods that we eat, but where they originated, like plum pudding and this Mm. black cake. And oh, it's just this beautiful, beautiful book. So wow. which of these five books is the one you want to expand on? I'm going to assume it's Cloud, Cuckoo, yes. and Land by Anthony <laughs> yes. Dewey. Yeah. It is, isn't it? That's why it's the it shortest is. description of the review. Okay. <laughs> That's how I feel about this book. I truly feel that way about this book. So, yeah. Cloud, Cuckoo, Land, sure. Can you do your best effort to give us a very brief description of what it's about? Uh, just by your rapid fire review alone, I'm definitely interested. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And we're going to hold you to that, obviously. But what's your uh, your best attempt at a synopsis? So, Anthony, it, it it's so different to all the light we cannot see. First of all, and it's different too, or similar to? Oh, it's to? different. It's so okay. different. Mm. So different. I just started it's... that book, by the way. Oh, okay. All the light, yeah. All the light. Have you seen the movie yet? I watched two. Oh, man. Okay, this is a total oh, side show. tangent. Yeah, yeah, the miniseries, which is four episodes on Netflix yeah. with audio description. I watched two episodes, paused. I was so intrigued, but had to pause it because I said, if I finish this, I'm not going to be able to read the book. Read the book. Oh, yeah. wow. So I paused yeah. it halfway, resisted, had to actually turn off the TV and walk away, started the book. I'm pretty much a quarter way through the book and best, glad I made this choice because it's really, really yeah. well written. Just a okay. quarter way through, you already know it's a great yeah. book? Yeah, is that enough to be able to say it's a great book? Well, it's good writing, right? Oh, okay. Good writing. Yeah. And you can already tell the differences between the book and the, the series, how they've changed things. So. Well, people yeah. have been talking about the Netflix series very highly. Yep. So it's um, yep. a lot to well, look up to. Well, I think it's the first time they've actually used a person with sight loss uh, to portray mm. a person with sight loss. Mm-hmm. And exactly. then Raiders has sight loss as well, and it's beautifully yeah. narrated on the. Fern, shout We've out. really digressed, haven't we? I know, sorry. I know. Sorry, sorry. Okay, you go back. <laughs> back to the book. It's um, so imaginative and compassionate. It's about this girl in 15th century. She lives inside the walls of Constantinople, where there are very, there's tons of libraries. And she finds this 
old book and it's written on parchment and all the rest of it about this um fellow called ethan or this boy called ethan that wants to um be turned into a bird so he can fly to this you know um absolutely wonderful utopian land in the sky um she learns how to read and she then meets a fellow that another child another it's all about kids that are on the cusp of becoming adults Hmm. and she then meets up with this fellow called omar i've got it written down but gosh i'm not on the right page i'll come back to that and then it jumps from what's happening with them and this story. It starts with this story of Ethan and, and he wants to go to Clyde Cuckoo Land. But then it jumps to modern day where it's an octogenarian that's in this library and he's showing the children how to portray this play based on this book, Clyde Cuckoo Land. Unbeknown, there's a young man that's very disin- disenfranchised um, and he has, Sebastian, and he has planted a bomb in the library. Oh. Then it introduces us to Constance that's not very far in the future on an intergalactic spaceship. She's what? the what? only survivor left of everybody that's on this spaceship because of a a a virus that went through and she's riding this story down on pieces of sack because it's a story her father told her and she wants to remember it so she's reading reading writing this story down and it's how these kids the resilience of these kids to go through what they go through um and each of their worlds is on the cusp of peril basically and when I first started reading it, my daughter Gemma oh. recommended this. She belongs to a book club mm. um, in Quebec City. And uh, she recommended it. And I started reading it. And I was at their house. It was last April. And she said, are you liking that book, Mom? And I said, no, I just I can't. I don't get it. And she said, yeah, it's really hard at first. But mm-hmm. once you get into it and all these stories start falling in place, you can't put it down. And once I got to that point, I stayed up until I finished the book. Oh, get I out. could not put it down. Because I'm at the first part now. I'm like, what is happening? Three, four plot lines. I'm not even sure how they all intertwine, but I guess right. that's yeah. the point, right? If I'm understanding mm-hmm. this, it's three timelines that happen in different times in history. And they yeah. all revolve around this one story. Oh, this one story of Ethan. And it was a story that was huh. written. And if if I'm understanding it correctly, and I should have looked this up so I didn't look like an idiot if I'm wrong, <laughs> it's actually a true story that has survived the years uh, about this boy, Ethan, that wants to go to this to be turned into a bird. And he... <laughs> He gets turned into a donkey and all sorts of things. Like it's, <laughs> it's so, um, it's just so imaginative. It's fabulous, and not not saying that all the light we cannot see wasn't a great book as well. But this is, this is going to be a, a modern day classic. I seriously would put money on it. 
I gotta ask the, the what's the comparison like between the two books for you that you keep reaching out to um all the light we cannot see is it just because it's made a just because classic? it's the same author I think ah, yeah and okay. and it's so different yeah you know like usually authors write about you know it's I mean that was a historical novel wartime and not that this doesn't have a lot of history in it mm. it's just opposite ends of the spectrum for me because it's so there's this whole fantasy land and looking at how ch the resilience of children and uh, it's just it's brilliant yeah. well the one comparison i will make is there are two plot lines in uh, all the light we cannot see right that merge yeah. so yes there's that i guess as a bigger picture comparison oh yeah there are yeah, yeah. you're right see i hadn't thought about that mm. interesting what is though. it specifically about this book that you thought was particularly well executed um definitely the writing mm. the narrator um was lovely that that's a big thing for me if i can't listen if the narrator's voice doesn't catch me the story isn't going to catch me because i don't want to listen to their voice i don't enjoy a book as much mm. <clears throat> if the narrator is not there and it was the way that it intertwined everything. Um, I got knowledge about the past that I, you know, history that I, things I never, ever knew about. Um, and even though it went to the future and it is unknown, it did make me think about, you know, how soon that different planet as we know it is going to be here kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, but it was the, I, every time they jumped from one person's perspective to another, it was like, oh, no, 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 what's going on then? But, oh, I'm so happy. I'm going to find out what's going on in the library again. But, oh, my gosh, what's going on with Anna and Omar? And, oh, yeah, it was just, I couldn't stop reading it. It was brilliant. And then even at the end, it was like, oh, I want more. Now wow. I want to know what happens more when they're older because it does touch on that at the end. But I want to learn more about that. And yeah, I wanted more for sure. Well, it's like a good play. You have to leave your audience wanting more. By yeah. The way. <laughs> yeah, true. You, the, the second book you mentioned with the uh, character that you just slipped right in there at the end of Rapid Fire uh, yeah. about um, having face blindness or facial yes. blindness or whatever they call it. It's called prosopagnosa. Prosopragnosa. Okay. I still okay. don't think I'm saying it right. But anyways, that is the one from the five people you meet in heaven, right? No, no. no? That's the one from the wife between us. Oh, yes. The Wife Between Us by Sarah uh, Pakenham. Oh, that is so good. I could talk about that one all day as well. Can we, like, just squeeze it in? Okay, bonus? Because that's the one that caught my attention the most. I feel like that's going to be on my to-read list ASAP. <sighs> I mean, <laughs> it just sounds so dramatic favorite. and juicy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's my favorite genre. I love suspense and thrillers and all mm. that kind of stuff. Um, but this one... I it starts off with this married couple and there's these letters that she writes to him on their anniversary but then there's a big twist with that and then there's another woman that gets involved obviously um the wife's obviously. father <laughs> is a 
an actual writer in real life that writes thrillers. So that is in there. So you think it's her dad's doing something and, and, oh, it's just, it's all these twists and turns. But the fact that the husband, and I can't remember the names, I'm sorry, but the husband has this eye disease where he cannot recognize faces. Mm-hmm. They're just black. And that, <laughs> I can't wrap my head around that. As someone who has been a sighted person, how can you look at somebody and know that it's their hair and their body shape and their claws and, oh, they had, that's that's my mum's necklace or that's my wife's necklace. Uh-huh. So you know when they're walking towards you in a restaurant that it's your wife so you can stand up and pull a chair out. How can you not recognise so the face? specifically the face? It's face. like dyslexia, it's but face. for facial features. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's the detail vision wow. specifically with face. And I, as I said, um, I don't want to name names here, but th- there is someone I know in real life who has this and they have a daughter who's low vision and the father who has this condition where he can't recognize faces. So they spend tons of time trying to find each other in parking lots. Yeah, <laughs> it's really yeah, funny. I bet. But how does it contribute to this story, though? I feel like that's uh- juicy. It really, it really, well. Does it contribute to the scandalism? No, it really Aww. doesn't. It really doesn't. That's too bad. But just the fact that they introduced it and then it towards the end, then it was like, oh, wait a minute. And then the fact that the face thing yeah. did play a part in it. Yeah. But interesting. Not, yeah, very subtle. But I, I love the way that these things are being introduced into, like you said, real life. Um, there was a movie, a Hallmark movie that was just shot in Newfoundland. A friend of mine was actually in it as a bit part. He works for the CNIB. Um, Dion, he's my, oh, another one that makes my heart smile. They're lucky to have him. And, uh, it was about a fellow that went to get a CNI dog and fell in love with his dog handler. Typical Hallmark, right? Yeah. But it was felt like that is in a movie. All the light we cannot see actually use people with sight loss. The fact that they're showing the rest of the world that we have not only we do okay, maybe we have different abilities. But sometimes our abilities surpass yours because mm. we are relying on our sight. We're relying on our other senses. And it just, the way that it's, you know, these things are coming into the media now, whether it's a novel or a movie or whatever, that makes my heart beam. It really does. So just a quick reminder for the listeners, um, the book with face blindness is The Wife Between Us by Sarah Pekkanen. And the book in which you're uh, basically laying your entire life on is Cloud, <laughs> Cuckoo, and Land by Anthony Dewar. Julie, it's so fun chatting with you always. Um, oh. I feel like this conversation just flew by, but we will okay. get you back on, obviously. Yes. Yeah. We don't even Thank need to you say so it. much for inviting me. It, it means a lot. It really does. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. Thank so you much so for much, Julie. Rapid fire reviewing.
We love it. We're going to take a break and come back with more AMI audiobook review. As we said, this is Rapid Fire Review Bonanza. So myself, Jacob, and Nisreen are going to be killing it after the break with more Rapid Fire Review. Welcome back to the AMI Audiobook Review. I'm Jacob Shamansky with Rami Amuthan and producer Nisreen Abdelmajid. Let's uh, live up to our promises and actually get to our rapid-fire review bonanza. Mm. But uh, really quickly, first, uh, Rams, you want to go through the CELA homepage? Yeah, okay. Give us some some time to get with the program about this rapid-fire Yeah, we're actually super again. nervous about this. We? He's not nervous at all, okay? Nisreen and I, on the other end, sweating bullets out here okay sila homepage. this is the center for equitable library access you can go visit the page at celalibrary.ca if you haven't signed up why not do it okay so here are the three feature titles up there um they are the armor of light kingsbridge number four by ken follett and this is a historical fiction title number two on the featured list is starling house by alex sierra Romantic Suspense. And the last one is The Running Grave by Robert Algrave. And this is a Gentle Mysteries. Okay. Well done. It's about time. Okay, let's do it. Uh, we decided to do this rapid fire review in alphabetical order based on our last names. That's an executive <laughs> decision from me. I will hear none of it. Nisreen, you're up first. So unfair. Yeah, I know. Deal with it. Someone has to go but first. But I'm okay. Okay, you all know the rules. 15 seconds for five books, 15 seconds each. Uh, let's get started. <laughs> Thinks We Never Got Over by Lucy Score. Okay, if you enjoy a good small town romance filled with crime and passion and love, this is a, a spicy relationship with a bad boy, Knox, and a Ooh. nice woman, Naomi, stranded a runaway bride. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait, I am curious about the runaway bride part. That's a nice cliffhanger. Okay. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. That's the nice thing about these. Yeah, sometimes mm. you get left with cliffhangers, you know? Yeah. Okay, well, Nisreen's a fan of this author, so number two is yes. Things We Hide from the Light by Lucy Score. So, Nash Morgan, chief of police, who was known as the guy who was nice to everybody, but the good brother, but he doesn't want anyone to know he's struggling from panic attacks and nightmares and from his own shadow. What? <laughs> Y'all are horrible. Okay, the next book is Book Lovers by Emily Henry. Okay, Book Lovers by Emily Henry is a heartwarming enemies to lovers type of romance centering around Nora Ooh. Stevens, a literary agent who goes to Sunshine Falls for a month-long trip with her sister. A beautiful relationship with her sister. This book... <laughs> ah. So far, okay. I'm not liking this. Not a fan. Oh but we're God. intrigued. <laughs> Uh, okay, We're, you're going to give us one more by Lucy Score. This one is called Things We Left Behind. So, uh, Things We Left Behind by Lucy Score, another small town romance, a story about a man, Lucian uh, Rollins, who is a vengeance seeker, spends every waking moment to build an empire. The more money, the more power he has, the safer he feels. Mm. Oh, yes. That was a good build up. Yo, yes. I like that. Yo, I, I can hear the, uh, the intensity in your voice rising as the 15 <laughs> seconds goes through. <laughs> Like the more money, the more power. <laughs> Last one. There are no saints by Sophie Lark. All right. So, 
Uh, this is the first book in the Sinner's Duet. So this book contains extremely dark themes that might be triggering to some because it's a steamy serial killer romance that will take what? you on a journey through the twist. <laughs> oh, wait. Pardon <laughs> me? Wait, did you talk about this book on the show before? No. What but the hell is a serial killer no, romance? I, steamy so serial killer romance. I do have a type that I go for because... No. It's very toxic because I mentioned another serial killer book. On okay, the that's show why this is. It feels did, familiar, but this is different, and it's very. Um, yeah, I I don't like it very much, but we'll we'll just pass that moment for a sec. Well, uh, would you like to elaborate on it? Or yeah, which one? Which is yeah, the book which, you want to elaborate on? The book lovers one. It's it's really cute. I feel like it was a heartwarming enemies to lovers type of romance it's it's a it's a happy story you know like it's those typical uh cliche books but there's hard topics but there's humor uh, twisted into it so if you want another rom-com to add to your book collection i'd say this is it and you're you like this kind of read in general when you're not doing serial killer romances i guess but any kind of like romance light read is your vibe, I right? I feel like Lucy score kind of hit it right with me. As you can tell, I really liked her books. Um, when it comes to light reads, this is what I go for. I go for the romance, uh, small town romance, which is, I'm, I was ashamed back then of those types of <laughs> like things. Guilty pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> guilty pleasure. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, the serial killer romance is very toxic. However, it's very intriguing. So that's why, I kind of uh, what's I the toxic so. part of it um they use each other I feel oh. like the guy yeah oh, like whoops. uh it's not the typical romance that you would go huh. for I mean he's not uh sane I guess <laughs> um yeah that's a problem <laughs> he loses control and oh. it's yeah it, and the thing is about these books it's like you kind of you wish that you didn't like it because it's there are some toxic moments that you're like, okay, there's younger people that read it too. Yeah, not really so necessarily the best model for relationships. Mm. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And there's so many books like that. So. Well, it's a question of, yeah, it's okay to portray toxic relationships. It's just a matter of how it's it's presented, if it's normal <laughs> or if it's not normal. Yeah. Right? And, yeah, and how do you think it's done in book lovers? It was a, just a heartfelt romance book that typically, like, small town cliche the romance in a small town is a cliche but i'd also argue that the enemies to lovers is a bit of a cliche as well eh? yeah yeah um enemies to lovers i say that because it is i mean uh, at first at first they didn't like each other they didn't get along and obviously when it when i say cliche it gets to that i mean my sister told me about this and i was like okay this is ridiculous i know how this will end (laughs) I feel like I, when authors write like that, like an enemies to lovers story, it's meant as like a misdirection as like, oh, they're not going to fall in love. Look at this horrible first interaction they have. Yeah. I, mean, it's, I feel you, like it's you so overdone at this fall point. For each other. And or not realistic, right? Like at the end, it's like, oh, it all just works out. Yeah. <laughs> Did we really go Opposites through that attract, process properly, whatever. people? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, however, I still like the story. I felt like it was still cute, humorous. They added a lot of humorous twist to it. Um, so I'd say um, a rom-com. 
is a perfect way to describe this book. So cozy, I guess. Mm-hmm. When there's no serial killers involved, if we're just talking about the small town <laughs> romance again, let's let's go. I with that. somehow now think that like everything you read has this background of serial killer drama going on. <laughs> it is. I feel like I, there's a rumor going around that like all girls. Yes. Like oh, killer oh, it's stories. a thing now. It's part of like every comedian's bit, and yeah, that we fall asleep to. I don't like, know what it is. I don't know what it is, but it's exciting. Thing. It's exciting. <laughs> Oh, it, wait, Murder is this mystery. you saying you find it exciting? You know, the, the thought of uh, interacting oh, no. with the serial killer? No, no, no. no, 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 no. Am I mis- I misunderstanding? The, the genre. The genre. I'm the genre is thrilling, okay? You were defending right in, a thing for serial killers. Right in the title, thrillers. <laughs> okay, what on. about you, Rams? What? Do you, do you like serial killers? What, two out of three of us around the table like serial killer dramas, okay? Big whoop. I mean, it's a popular genre for a reason, all right? No, but <laughs> Nisreen said that there's a rumor that girls like serial killers, like romantically. Like no, it's a crush no, thing. that's not what you. Sh- is that what you said, Nis? No. Okay, that's I not did what not you say said. That. All right. Jacob, oh God, we need to clear the air. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rapid well, okay. fire review. Bonanza has taken a turn, guys. <laughs> okay, fine. Let's move on to Ramya's turn. All right, you sweat. You sweating it? I've been sweating. Can you hear it in my voice? I'm I actually terrified. can. I actually I'm can. So terrified. Okay. I'm sorry, I, guys. This is a lot more nervous, <laughs> nerve wracking than I thought it would be. Yeah. Well, wait till it's your turn. Okay. Okay. <laughs> here we go. Mystery okay. Rams. You ready? All right. First book, In the Flow, by Alicia Vitti. In the Flow is about women taking power over their cycles. Our cycles are very different from a man's cycle, which is 24-hour day in terms of hormonal. Ours is 28 days or whatever your actual cycle is. So she talks about understanding yourself better. Ooh. Huh. Oh, yeah. Oh. Well, I thought, okay, I... I'm doing better. That was than good. I well, yeah. I never thought of guys having a 24 hour cycle. Yeah, like our days are different than yours. Our cycles hormonally That's are different. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Uh, sorry, I'm proud of myself. Okay, keep Wired going. for Love by Stan Tatkin. This is about attachment styles. There are different attachment styles that we come in with. It's a lot about nurture, our parenting, what we went through, abandonment. And then it brings this into our our adult relationships and how we can do better from understanding our own attachment styles. Boom! What? And you were nervous. Get out of here. That was the best one we've heard yet. Okay. Thanks. Like out of all of our rapid fire reviews, Get that, that was ridiculous. Okay, so I this one is all back. about your, I don't even know what I'm your saying. psychology background. <laughs> I, I can see why you like this one. You've always been into psychology. I am in love eh? with this kind of stuff. Yes, I and can't help can but feel like kind of preachy about yeah. it. Yeah, I, I was just gonna say it can get into a bit preachy, and <laughs> yeah. I, this just it, it plays into the idea that humans just want to sort everything. Right. Including yes. sorting yeah. the way we love. Yeah, type it, right? Like put ourselves into types, into categories to make ourselves understand better, which I can understand the wanting to understand because, you know, life is confusing. We're lost like all the time. And especially romantically, you go towards genre or psychology like this. Anyways, we'll get into it. Yeah, but e- even if like uh, sorting things can pigeonhole you of course it does help understanding yourself a little bit yes yeah but i don't know i have thoughts on this Mm, okay next one the starless sea by aaron morgenstern honestly even by the end of the book i don't know what the hell this thing is about there's so much (laughs) adventure there's honey you're diving into things there's bees everywhere you're trying to find keys you're taking taking on a journey and you have no idea where you're going or where you'll end up it's just 
Uh, what did you just say? What? Where you're going, where you'll end up. It's just an adventure book. I'm so confused. <laughs> exactly. That's what this book is. It's so confusing. Did you like it? I loved it. The writing was epic. <laughs> wow. It was phenomenally written. But I promise you, they're just, like, I don't know what goes on. It's you're like, not selling it very well. I'm sorry. I know. It's really hard to sell this book. Maybe I'll read the synopsis later. Okay. That's bonkers. Okay, last one. Ender's Are we at the game. last one already? Yeah, last one. Ender's I mean, Game shoot. by Orson Scott Card. Ender's Game is um, about a boy who gets taken on by, you know, military, quote-unquote, in this uh, dystopian world. He has to go and learn how to fight in zero gravity, and eventually they've got to face this entire outer space situation. But it's cool. Oh, what? I didn't even tell you why it's cool yet. <laughs> you finished it, but it's cool? You're <laughs> saying <laughs> all science fiction is not cool? No, no, it what? is. <laughs> It's it a science more fiction than book, cool. but it's actually good. <laughs> that is not what I meant. No, I, this has always been on my want to read list. I've, I've heard oh, so it many is good so good. It. Even though the author is a bit of a problematic dude. Kind oh, of the, the, the book is problematic also. It oh, comes out. It? it comes out. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah. I did not know that. I thought. Oh, okay. Yeah, you would. Okay. You would definitely get into it, and and you know, there's like uh, gender discrepancies and all kinds of stuff that come up. Mm. But it's very, very fun. It's adventurous. Um, there's a lot going on in terms of just. You know how we talk about world building all the time, yeah. but this is more about like. If this was a video game, how would you make it work? So you get like all the details of huh. how you f- would fight in a zero gravity or in a controlled environment in this way. How would you make this an outer space situation? And oh. you, yeah, like he makes that part of it interesting. It's fun, it's so fun. Like um, imposing hypothetical situations and then working through that. Yeah, right. Yeah, that, that's that's what um science fiction and sci-fi is at its best to me yes it's imposing yeah. hypothetical situations often ridiculous hypothetical right. situations and seeing where they go and what you can do with it and yeah especially at its best is when you can create a really interesting plot and themes exactly. around those hypotheticals and he's done it he's done it all from like the social hierarchy to you know like these kids are just tossed into this situation and they have to learn how to fight and half of them are like not even built to fight, let alone go through war. So there's so much of that out there as well, or like okay. in the book. So we cheated a little bit and talked about some of these about books the already. Books. Yeah. Of the five books that you, you gave me. us, which one do you want to elaborate on? <laughs> I want to elaborate on Wired for Love. So this was, the, the full title of this is Wired for Love, How Understanding Your Partner's Brain and Attachment uh, Style Can Help You Diffuse Conflict and Build a Secure Relationship. So That's the whole title? That's the whole title. So clearly you understand like where what kind of book this is already. One of these like self-development, psychological theories, and the theories we're talking about are attachment style so there's the secure attachment style um the anxious attachment style and the avoidant attachment style i'm not going to get into it if you want to if you're curious go read it but the summary um of the book i guess is uh, a guide to building and maintaining strong healthy relationships it explores neuroscience and attachment styles to help partners create secure connections and navigate the ups and downs of love so the reason why I thought this was interesting is because, and this is kind of getting into my personal journey, but um, going into therapy, right? So starting therapy as a thing, number one, and then starting to understand myself and like the way I was raised versus my view on relationships versus my friends' views on relationships or understanding what you're using as a model 
for relationships. All these kind of things come about in this book. And they kind of like explore or the author explores um, identifying not just your thought patterns and behaviors, but identifying things that you may be very, very unconscious of, but that you're bringing into relationships because, you know, that's just what you're used to. That's what your parents brought to the relationship or your caregivers or whoever brought into that have been modeled to you and ingrained in you for so long. And or you're doing the opposite because you've had to cope and protect yourself in certain ways growing up. I find this kind of um, neuroscience slash psychology slash sociology very, very interesting. And then I always kind of loop it back to culturally what does this mean, right? Like, what do a lot of um, people who grew up in my situation uh, go through? And you, oh, you know, okay, what you yeah. say, Jacob, like, in terms of boxing ourselves in or pigeonholing ourselves is very true. So you have to be super careful about taking on theories like this. However, it is interesting to start opening up your mind and empathizing, right? Like, in uh, certain circumstances. I feel like it's more interesting to think about breakups in certain scenarios and and go through it personally not like you know judge other people but go through things personally that way and um yeah i found this this kind of book to be very just intriguing in that sense does it present attachments styles in a very matter-of-fact way or is it advocating for it or is it saying that you shouldn't box yourself in or just to be more empathetic towards other people's it's attachment styles once you figure it out. Yes, to your empathy. own, to understanding your partner, like which was in the title, right? Um, it just makes you more empathetic. It makes you maybe understand that things aren't all just black and white. Uh, or, you know, these are the nuanced reasons why this might be the, the conflict that you're facing, like the fight or the argument that you're having. But, you know, deeper than that, it goes back to how you dealt with things for years or how your parents may have uh, dealt with things for years, that kind of stuff. So it's quite quite nuanced. Like, it's definitely not a, here it is what it is, here's the theory you must buy in, which if it was like that, I would never... Does it read about. like a manual where it's like, if X person has this attachment style, you should work with them in this way? It does get to points like that, but initially when it's introducing the attachment styles, it will tell you, uh, it, the author goes through um, how this may not be the full picture, you know? Like, you mm. might present as having this attachment style, but that doesn't mean that you also won't have these things that have happened to you that then result in this behavior or whatever. I'm still not fully sure what an attachment style it's how you bring yourself into a relationship based bring on yourself or yeah, maintain it like uh, maintain it obviously like but how you bring yourself into a relationship based on whether you have an you know very anxious uh way of connecting with somebody or an avoidant way which is like shutting down um when connecting with somebody and, and facing conflict or if there was somewhere in the middle where you were able to have a secure attachment style so you know healthy pull away healthy pull in so you told us to go and read it because you didn't want to explain it but i'm not going to read it so can you tell me what if, about but it's almost time for yours now no really really quickly can you just tell me about the uh anxious the uh, anxious relationship style is the okay the way that it's described in this book is the person who wants to um go into the relationship like into the partnership when they're feeling anxious so 
instead of like shutting down or burrowing away or, you know, like I need some time to think about it. They're more like, let's go in this together now, like deal with things right now. That's kind of the way of describing it. I think Google search would give you a better description. Mm. Can we go to yours now? I feel yeah. like you're avoiding. Okay. Yeah, let's move on. Yeah, I'm I am. Not, now my heart, now, now. now my heart's yeah. pumping. Yeah. Avoid it. <laughs> I know, I know. It's all, all phony right. anyways. Yeah, right. No, it's not. Okay, here we go. Ready. A Good Girl's Guide to Murder by Holly Jackson. Okay, this is a good old-fashioned murder mystery, kind of a modernized version of Nancy Drew. Uh, it takes place in a small town. Somebody gets murdered, uh, and this senior high schooler, as her final project, decides to solve a murder of something that happened about five years ago. Yep. Did you like this book? I can't tell if you liked it. It was so. Deadpan. I liked it. I actually loved it. Um, Neutral description. It's funny because it's kind of shallow in a way. Like it doesn't delve into like the human condition or philosophy mm. or anything like that. And but I was engrossed. I finished it in two days. It's like eight hours long. Oh. So like I I cranked it out. It kept you going, yeah. Because I want to know what happened. It was very well fabricated. All right. Mm-hmm. Have you read more by this author, by the way? Nope. Oh, okay. This book is hugely popular, by the way. Really? Mm-hmm. I don't even know. I, I feel like I've heard the title, but I feel like there's different titles that sound exactly like this. You've heard it before because Karen McGee actually had it part of her rapid oh, fire review. Get a couple of out! This is cheating. Because I picked it up because of her recommendation. Unreal. Yeah. Now I get to go back and see how she um she described it in ra- her rapid fire. Okay, mm-hmm. ready? Yep. My Body by Emily Ratajkowski. This is a memoir by supermodel Emily Ratajkowski. Um, it's not a very remarkable memoir, to be honest, but what I found it did particularly well was I've never heard someone articulate the um, the complexity of monetizing your body. Oh. Oh. Wait, yeah. so, but it wasn't written very well? What did you mean it was kind of... It wasn't very, it wasn't written very well, and she talks about events in her life that I, quite frankly, don't really care about. Mm. I think what it did best was discuss the, oh, what's the word? The, um, the word, the word isn't coming to me, but just how complex and how mind-bending it is to commodify your body for, for money. Interesting. And, like, the ethical and moral dilemmas that come with that. Has she talked about this stuff in interviews? Or, like, have you followed her before this? No. Before reading this book? Okay. No. I, I didn't really know about her before this book, honestly. The um, synopsis, like, the back cover sounded so good. And I've put it on my to-read list. It's very short. I, I, I would still recommend it because uh, it was definitely eye-putting for me. Yeah. All right. Okay, next. Okay. Assassin's Apprentice by Robin Hobb. This is the first book of a trilogy, the Farseer trilogy. Uh, if you're into uh, the political intrigue in Game of Thrones, this is a book for you. It's in a fantasy setting. It follows the bastard son of a king and how he gets put in an impossible situation. It's funny because the character really has nothing remarkable about him, but you Excuse really me. care Excuse about me. him. Hey. It was good. It was good. Read it. Read it. Read it. Did you not hear the ding? Unbelievable. I wanted to finish with that. Unbelievable. Yeah, that was a long ass sentence. Okay, so. I tried. I tried. The clock's creeping up. Um, (laughs) Hold up. You said if you're interested in the political side of Game of Thrones? Yeah, yeah. Ah. All the court intrigue. Yeah. That is. The politicking. 
it's you know I love when you do these comparisons, but you take like a very specific part of another series, and you're like, if you're into that aspect, you might like this. <laughs> That's quite intriguing. Okay, fourth one: the Anthropocene reviewed by John Green. This is an essay collection by a popular novelist and YouTuber, John Green. Every essay has to do with something very innocuous, like Dr. Pepper or the Daytona 500 or the largest ball of tape in the world. But he always refers it back to some sort of... Some sort of what? <laughs> I'm going to stop myself there. <laughs> some sort of what? <laughs> <laughs> the bell went off. I have to stop. Tell. Tell. Pray tell some sort of some sort of element that has to do with the human condition. Interesting. Mm -hmm. He takes something innocuous and just uses it to make a really interesting observation about humanity as a whole. Oh, I love Very this. Very cool. I am yeah. So picking this up. Some of the essays are actually available just freely on YouTube. I was just gonna say, and is an essay worth the time? Like, can I just watch a TikTok video, or is it so worth it to get? No, it no, no. It's worth it. It's yeah. worth it. Right. He's a good writer too. Very. Really good observations, to be honest. Mm. It's very optimistic, too. All right, fine. Last one. Alive by Piers Paul. In 1972, there was a plane that was carrying a rugby team that was flying over the Andes, and it crashed. And this is a story of the 41 people that uh, had to survive a little over two and a half months in the snow. And it's a story of survival and how they use Christianity to justify cannibalism. Oh, oh! And it's a true story. Oh, no. Oh, my God. I want to hear this one. This one was best for last for sure. Also, well, lucky what's you. The this name is again? this is alive, alive by Pierce Paul. Yeah. This one actually oh came out only two God. years after the accident, and uh, <gasps> this is the one I want to elaborate on a little bit. Okay, please do. And also, before you do that, I just want to say this is the fastest you've ever talked ever. Yeah, I was nervous because I'm a slow talker. <laughs> <laughs> you did well. Congrats. Okay, <laughs> tell us. Tell us about alive. Okay, so there were 41 players on this plane, and only 16 of them survived. If there's one word I could use to describe it, it's very unsensationalized, because this is a massive story at the time. It was a massive worldwide story that these people survived. And they go through some absolute brutality in here, where they... They don't exactly work together, the ones that survived the plane crash. They kind of divide themselves into the weak and the strong. And then some people are extremely crass and don't care about helping others, while others are extremely caring and go on these expeditions to go and try to find a road and try to find society. Um, so it's like Lord of the Flies, but real, right? It's like Lord of the Flies, but real. If you That's ask, exactly what I was thinking. Of. It is a lot like Lord of the Flies. Yeah, yeah. like you know, surviving on an island situation. Mm -hmm. But uh -huh. I, I think what people take the most out of this book is the cannibalism. Oh, God, yeah. Because a lot of the people in this plane are very devout Catholics, and they no. they refer to, like, their faith a lot and how it's what kept them going. Yes. And it's, they also literally use it to justify cannibalism, <gasps> saying, like, uh, the body of Christ has been giving us strength all this time. The, body of, the bodies of our friends can keep us alive in this time. Stop it! Yeah, it's very haunting. And at the end of the book, it actually references an actual press conference that one of the survivors did shortly after. And he doesn't directly talk about the cannibalism, but he does say, like, we did what we did Need to survive and we're not sorry. Um, How did... Do you know how the author pulled the facts for this, or was it just everything... He was interviewed well the survivors directly. Okay. And he even said that 
the way they were telling this story very unrepentantly and they didn't feel bad about it at all and they did what they they did what they did to survive he wanted to represent that very matter of fact so mm. it is set in chronological order like a story but it's all based on facts and there's very little um moralizing you just have to come to your own conclusions do you ever think about how because it was written so close to the event just two years just two years i mean like freaking insurance claims take longer than that um you're getting like very reactive uh you know and justifiable defensive that's the word i want to go for defensive ways of looking at this i wonder if like 10 years later people would have a different outlook on the things that they've done to survive this that's a good question i my first thought is no i feel like two years is enough time you think so? to have your your raw paintings on the topic like okay so people are aware not the survivors but just like the community are aware that these people like cannibalize their friends to stay alive sure is that opinion really going to change like 20 years down the road like does, tw- Maybe does 20 the years way you're sitting of, with it d- does 20 years of pondering make you say yeah you know what cannibalism is actually pretty cool no, it's more like, you know how you said they were unrepentful, or how did you say it? They just didn't feel bad about yeah, it. They, they were very honest. It. They might feel bad about it five years later. I don't think that's the case, because they still gave interviews like a year and a half after. Yeah, but that's, a year and a half is nothing. That's what I'm trying to get at. This time frame is so raw. Yeah, no, and, and th- this was a brutal book also in its descriptions, like people having to crawl around with two broken legs oh for two God, and a oh half months in yeah. the snow, and like... They barely had the food, but they did have, like, three crates of wine. <laughs> oh, that's what kept him going. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Oh, Jacob, great picks, yo, for Rapid Fire. Yeah, likewise, and you too, mm-hmm. Niz. Thank yeah. you. Okay, guys, we got to wrap. So we will be back next week. Who are we chatting with next week? We're chatting with Sila. We're going to be talking about the complexities of co-authoring, and we're also Mm -hmm. talking with Sarah Hillis. She's going to be presenting her Know Your Narrator segment. Lovely. So we'll be back then. Of course, weekly episodes drop, AMI audiobook review, and you can call us, 1-866-509-4545. Give us your thoughts. Join in on the conversations and even the book club questions, maybe. Email us, feedback at ami.ca. And uh, that's it for us. Ramia Amudan, Jacob Chaimansky, Nisreen Abdel-Majid. Until next time, happy audiobook listening. I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Sean of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts.